We've got a cracking show today. I'll tell you what, we're going to catch up exactly with Matt, who is a bow fisherman. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait to talk to Matt about this. I mean, it's not, he doesn't even use a rod and reel. It's a bow, an yeah. arrow. Yeah, fascinating. I can't wait either. But first up, we have got Ask Me Herb. So yeah. Jenny from WA has uh, emailed in and she said, Herb, I want to know, what are your tips about anchoring offshore? Oh, that's right. a good one. Yeah, but before you do, yeah. can I tell you about my anchoring experience? Yeah, go on. Now, as I love I said, your experiences. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I'm not the greatest fisherman there is. No. But we went up to the Wit Sundays one day. Yeah. And I took Nana and Grandad, Cherie, my young fella, and we actually took a, another mate of Nana and Grandad's who knew how to sail. Yes. So we sailed around the Wit Sundays on one of the barefoot boats. Yes. And it was magnificent. It was just unbelievable. Yep. It was just a great trip around the Wit Sundays. Pulling into the islands at night, waking up in the morning, you know, on the water. Yeah. There's just nothing paradise. like it. It is paradise. And Beautiful. as you say, you can hook up anywhere, you can snorkel. And when when we let the uh, turn the motors off and just actually sailed, there's nothing more peaceful. Oh, you're on a big cat, you're on the front there, just sailing across through the islands. It was magnificent. Cold beer in hand. Oh, absolutely. Tray just, of oysters. Well, just trying to hide how many I drank from Cherie. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the funny thing was, every night you had to check in with um, the Vima. You had Vima. to check in back, in, uh, back at the coast. Very important. Uh, yeah, and see where you're staying and what your plans were. Yeah, we're going to go around this area and we're going to stay in here. So yeah. they didn't have all the same boats in the same area and there was enough you know, moorings for everyone yeah. as well. So we got in there and I was up in the morning and I said, all right, we're thinking about heading here, here and here. And sometimes you've got to be in queue. You've got to wait up and they go, okay, boat, blah, 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 your turn. What are your plans today? And then such and such your boat, what are your plans today? So the, the boat before me, I was listening to them talk to the, uh, the guys back at the, uh, the mainland. Yep. And they've gone, look, what do, you, what, what do we do for an anchor tonight? And the bloke goes, well, yeah, you know, you know I mean, you had a couple of anchors on board. Yep. Just uh, you know, anchor out wherever you want. And uh, the guy, I don't know what nationality they were. There was their second night, so they're going for their third night. They've gone, oh yeah, but we've already been here for two nights. What do we do for the third night? Oh no, they just undid the anchor. No, and let it go. No way. Absolutely. Just untied it and threw all the rope in. Yeah, didn't pull the anchor up. Nah. There's just, one way of doing it. <laughs> so they've been out two nights, lost the two anchors, and wondering where the third anchor is. Oh, my dear. And so this is why Jenny's question, Jenny from WA, anchoring offshore, Herb, what are your tips? Offshore, anywhere, Jenny. Anchoring can be a very, uh, you know, massive tidal run. You've got to take all this into account, how big your anchor is. What yep. are you anchoring on? Are you anchoring on reef, rock, shale, Sand, mud. Now, this is going to be a silly question. How do you know? Well, with your sounder, like when you're reef fishing out offshore, generally you're going to be anchoring either on top of the reef and fishing the backside of it, or you're going to be anchoring off the reef on the flat stuff, which is more sand and a bit of shale and whatnot. Um, I always ran a reef pick. So I made my own anchors. Yep which were four-prong pick that were bent around and I would have the chain attached to the bottom of that anchor yep. and I had it cable tied to the to the top, well, the, the end of the anchor where your chain normally goes. And the reason I did that was if your anchor gets stuck, right, the cable tie will break, the, the chain will flip to the front of the anchor and pull the anchor clean out the reef so okay. you don't sink your boat. 
that's another thing. Because you've got to have a lot of chain on an anchor. Usually it's about the length of your boat. Yep. So if you've got five-meter boat, you should have about five meters of chain. Yep. yep. Pretty heavy chain too because that chain lays on the floor and holds the anchor in. <clears throat> so, you know, obviously an estuary and, 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 and closer in, you can sort of tell if it's sand, if it's mud. They're usually a plow anchor, whatnot. Yep. Offshore is the biggest thing. Inshore, relatively easy. Easy to pull up, not that deep. Pretty, you know, it's not Basic, that hard. Yeah. Out at sea, I've done a lot of anchoring in 60, 70 metres of water. Now, that can be a bit daunting. So you're trying to anchor on a patch of fish or a patch of bait or, or a rock or uh, the edge of a reef, and the current's going one way and maybe the wind's blowing a little bit too, so you need to take all this into account. So I used to go up, find me patch of fish, mark it on me sounder, right, so I know where it is. Yeah. Then I'd go either into the current and drift, do a drift, and yeah. I would let the boat drift past that mark where I marked the fish, see him on the sounder again, see how long it sort of took me to go. So I'd usually go about 100 metres up yep. from so the mark. So it's just trying to time it. Just trying to get the drift right and where to drop the anchor. You know, if my drift was a little bit out, I'd go, oh, I need to drop the anchor a little bit to the right of that line. Because your sounder gives you a line yeah, that, yeah. You, that you're driving on. And um, so, yeah, usually if the current was roaring very hard, you know, I'd go 30, 50 metres 100 metres up. Yep. Because you've got to think about it. When you're in 60 metres of water, I'm letting out roughly 100 metres, 110 metres of rope, probably 120. It's a lot of rope. It's a lot of rope, right? So you go up 100 metres, you, you hang back on your anchor, say 50 metres, because you've got 60 metres of water, 40 metres extra, so you're hanging back on that anchor that far. It might drag a bit, allow a bit for drag. Um, the amount of times I've been out there at night trying to anchor at 60 metres of water and had to do it three or four times, and everyone on the boat's getting the, you know... Yeah, yeah, God, on. there's fish, there's fish. We've got to yeah. be catching, yeah. And I'm the captain. I'm trying to get the boat on these fish to catch them. So it can be a little bit daunting. Um, so that's probably the hardest thing about anchoring. Yeah. Now retrieval. Now this is probably... I used to run a big white buoy, probably, you know, 300 mil round. Yeah, yeah. Big white one, and I... I uh, you know, roped that up to a big steel ring and I had that on me anchor rope at the front of me boat in the water. It hit the side of the boat, whatever, had about five foot of rope on that, didn't matter. So when it come time to finishing up fishing, because let's face it, when you go fishing, you usually take people you like. If you've got yeah. someone on board you don't like, you make them pull it up by hand. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not easy yeah. in 60 metres. Yeah, I'm just starting to get the hint. I've done that a few times on your boat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I've had to do it once or twice too. So, and I've never gone back with that person. But um, with the boy, I would untie the rope from the front, drive upstream into the current and drive alongside me anchor. And the boy would float down beside me. Yeah. I'd do one loop around me rear cleat right at the back corner of the boat. But I never tied it off. Always just one loop so that rope could slip. And then I held it. Then I would drive forward of the anchor into the current and that boy would slide along, the ring would slide along the rope. And the oh, further yeah. I went forward, that boy then would release the anchor from the bottom. And, and if bring that, it up. Yeah, and bring it to the top. Now, if that rope got, that anchor got stuck, I'd just let the rope go and attack it at another angle or a slightly different angle or go pull the rope up a bit tighter so you've only got 70 metres of rope out, try and joggle it off with the waves. I've had some scary moments out there trying to pull anchors up. You can sink a boat very quickly trying to pull an anchor up this way. So I, I heed caution. 
But the boy works if you do it properly and do it sensibly and take note of what you're doing. Yeah, you got to concentrate. you got to be a sober. You're out at sea a long way, whales coming past you, all this sort of stuff. You need to be on the game. Yeah. You sink out there, and a lot of people have. It's you not, don't negotiate the water. It's not good fun. It's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. There's no, yeah, you've got to treat it with respect. So once you get the anchor released, you'll feel it pull off. It'll the, the boy will start pulling the anchor up, and then I sort of keep the boat just steaming at about ten knots until I and grab the rope until I feel the ring hit the chain and hit the the boy hit yep. the end of the anchor. Then I just do turn around and drift back with the current, undo it and call the rope back into the bin, and the anchor's on the surface. Look at that, eh? It's pretty easy. Sounds it, easy. It takes a bit of practice, but. There are some, so if you're going to do it with a boy and do it like that, very much go out, practice, 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 practice in shallow water. I've seen people cut their anchors off because it's not coming up. Yeah, yeah. So, and you can sink a boat very quickly by doing this sort of stuff. Uh, nowadays, you get a mink coated, don't you? A motor guide. You can get an, a, an electric motor now that will go on the front of your boat anywhere up to 30 foot, I think. And you push a button, this motor goes down and bunk and hit spot lock and that thing will hold you in position. Yeah. yeah. Now, how easy is that? Yeah, that's cheating. It is, well, it's not it? cheating. It's just how one. good is it? <laughs> no, nah, you're right because you don't have to now. You don't have to worry about all that. It just sits, GPS system, bang, bang. sits right on that spot. Straight on it. And since I've brought And how that, big a boat, sorry, up to 30 foot did you I, say? I've seen them on really big boats. You know, they have, you know, 100. I've got a 55-pounder on my four-and-a-half-metre tinny. You can go up to 105. I think there's even bigger ones now, very big electric motors, minkotas or whatever they are. There's motor guides. There's all sorts of different ones, water snakes. You can get bigger ones that will deploy with a button, spot lock you on the spot. So if you find a patch of fish, you can just motor forward a little bit, motor goes down, boom, you're fishing straight away. And if the current's too strong and the fish are under you, just creep forward a bit more. So your bait It's amazing, are, isn't it? It's crazy. The, the, the technology these days has made fishing very, very more accessible. Very inviting. Very inviting. A lot easier. you still got to have that knowledge to go and do it. But anchoring offshore can be a scary thing. Uh, I've had a whale pick up my anchor rope. When I felt the boat starting to get towed, you know, have a knife handy. Yeah, yeah. Because if a whale yep. gets tangled up in its in its petrol yeah, and yeah, he yeah. swims off, you're he, gone. Yeah, he's gonna sink your boat. They're, they're two ton or whatever. That's a good tip. Four ton of the. So always have a have a a knife handy. You can always throw a rope through the front cleat, tie it off at the back, so you can cut that rope near the back and it'll slide out the front. Yeah. If yeah. anything does catch it, and it happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, very much. It's a great question, Jenny, wasn't it? Yeah, Jenny. WA. I mean, yeah, anchoring can be a daunting time. Um, you know, I spliced all my own rope for my anchors, and they can be very expensive, and losing an anchor is not fun. So, and it can be a bit dangerous. So, practice makes perfect. The five Ps. Go out, have a go, and, and just try it, and, and get used to it, and get better at it. Absolutely. There we go. Ask Herb anything. All you have to do is hit us up on the socials. Well, Herb, we love uh, looking at all people that fish different ways around Australia. Not even around Australia, around the world. Heaps of different ways. We've got a great guest joining us right now. You can check him out on all the different social networks. Outback Predator Fishing. That's what he is. And Matty, he loves fishing, camping in the outdoors. And he joins us now. Matty, how are we? Yeah, good, thank you. Yep, great day. Can we ask, uh, you know, Outback 
Predator fishing. What is that? What does it stand for? What What do you love about fishing and outback and predating? What is it? Oh, we originally started probably tournament fishing up in Queensland when we'd done 10 years up there, and I had a, a predator, a boat called, it was a predator build, and we used to call ourselves Team Predator. And then we moved back home to Central West in, in Dubbo, and Outback seems to be a bit of a theme, so we went with Outback Predator, and we just grew from there, I suppose. That there, yeah, My youngest son was like the YouTube and was trying to start a YouTube channel, and I love fishing, so we started Outback Predator Fishing. Yeah, that's awesome. And great, uh, great name. Like, um, so what? What are you targeting? Predominantly, it's yellow belly and Murray cod, yabbies, and everything else that's provided out here. But we've always got the noxious carp around, so we try and knock their population around too when we're when the fishing slows down a bit. Yeah, that's out that area fun. is it? Is it more river systems or is it lakes? No, nah, we've got some very good dams close to us. We've got Wyangala Dam within a few hours, three hours. Barrandong Dam, we can be in the water near Wellington within an hour, and Windermere Dam over at Mudgee, we can be over there sort of in the two-hour gap. So, yeah, we've got access to three great dams. One thing I want to ask, Matty, and I've, I've, I've heard a whisper, I'm, and I'm a little excited about this, you don't just use a rod and reel. What do you use to target fish? A bow. A bow? So, a bow and arrow? A bow, yeah. So we, had, we used to do a bit of bow hunting at the farms where we grew up as kids and I was trying to look for something to get the boys interested in coming back out with me again in the boat because um, they're all a bit older now and gone on to their own things and yeah bow fishing came up oh. there was a it was released I don't know a couple of years ago that it was legalized to target carp with bows and we already had the gear we had the electric motor we've got the the bastol boat with a platform at the front with the casting deck and we sneak around the dam and try and peg a few uh, calf out of the system. And do you, do you hit them all right? Like, as soon as the bow hits the water, is it going hard enough that it goes straight or does it just shut it to the left or right? Or Oh, it sort of floats floats up a bit as it hits the water. It ducks up a bit. So you sort of got to aim underneath your fish. So if you could see, him, see your carp swimming along, you sort of got to aim just below him and then as it hits the water it sort of planes out a bit and zeroes in now this, I've, I find this fascinating like so obviously I've, ne- I've never done it before and I want you to explain to us all this is what I, your bow is obviously attached to a line yeah so we use a, or your a arrow little, we, yeah we, we use a little bottle reel now they're called yeah uh, we only just use a, a cheap one off eBay because we yeah you can get them they range in prices but yeah, it just keeps your line nice and tidy and all in a little bottle at the front of your reel. Yeah. Um, and it's got like a little reel on it so you you can reel it back in as it goes. And then, yeah, that keeps everything nice and tidy because you don't want to get a line tangled around your finger or your arm when it's going off. No. Cause, and you, then, uh, yeah, can... once you start looking for calf and you, you cruise along in the shallows, they're everywhere. And I can imagine so you're using a pretty substantial bow. Like what sort of pound bow are you running? No, well, we had our, our original hunting bows, our compounds, which were, you know, all up 15, 60 pound and yeah. stuff. They were sort of too cumbersome in the rod locker of the boat. Yeah. So we just bought a little cheap recurve bow. I think it's 35 pound. Okay. And it, it's a little takedown recurve, so you can take the string off it, lays flat, sits in the rod locker. And then when the fishing gets slow, we pull it out of the rod locker and 
put the string back on it, and away we go. So you reckon you can see a heap of carp if you're just cruising around nice and slow with the electric motor on? Yeah, carp are everywhere in, in our dams and in the river. As soon as you start cruising around the electric motor, you'll, you can see carp. Just a pair of uh, polarised glasses, and yeah. there's carp everywhere. That's well, awesome. In the shallow. And, and, and you, get them in, you get them in major schools. Once you start looking for them, you, you might find come across a little spot where there might be 10 or 20 carp just all in a little bundle swimming around each other. And you, yeah, and the boys really liven up. The fire air is everywhere then. Yeah, I bet. It, it's a very <laughs> visual sport. And you're doing a good thing for, for nature because you're getting rid of an obnoxious species, a carp, which you can't yeah. let go. Uh, yeah. But what a very visual, entertaining way to target fish. It is. And we've, I've taken numerous people out with me that have seen it and said, wouldn't mind coming over a look, and I love the idea. And, yep. you, yeah, it, it's a, it's, it is fun. It's a bit of an adventure, and you sneak around in all the little back gullies and stuff around the dams, and, yeah, you'd never, you never sit still for too long because, as I said, with a pair of polarised sunglasses sneaking along, carp are everywhere. Did uh, your theory work? Did you get the young fellas, did you get the kids back into it yeah. because you yeah. <laughs> wanted to go down this path? <laughs> yeah, no, they they do. I mean, they're both oh, – the boys are all busy. They've all got part-time jobs now and out working. But when I can drag them away, that's, yeah, they, they're sort of over the fishing with that idea because Dad's mad on fishing. So, yeah, they love getting the bows out. And that – Just something different and we yeah, chase along and have a bit of a competition on the boat of who's going to hit what. Exactly right, and it's not that sit and wait or cast upon cast upon cast. You're, you're seeing the fish, you're targeting them, you're aiming for them, you're shooting them, and uh, obviously yeah. getting rid of them out of the system because they breed like um, Hugh Hefner. But um, <laughs> you know, I mean, what a what an awesome way to get the kids back into it. And can you do this in salt water as well? I, I don't know. I, I've never I'm seen not anybody sure do the it. Legalities in salt water. I just read a media release, because I used to do it as a kid. I grew up on the Bogan River out at Ningen, right on the water. And before school and after school, we used to hunt carp along in the shallows. I was, we were using bits of bar and everything going along chasing carp up in the shallows. And uh, I had a bow there then, but it's just, yeah. It's, It'd it, be no it's, different. I didn't just... think it was legal then, but now there's definitely, you're allowed to target bow fishing. There's been a media release only... Oh, no, 18, 18 months ago, two years ago. But I'm not quite sure of the rules in salt. Well, you'd think it's no different to spearfishing. Exactly right. Realistically. Yeah. Uh, 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 other than being a huge art. Well, yeah. You know, like you're not allowed to target anything else. Like, we're not allowed, you're not allowed to target your natives or anything like that. Okay, so it's just the obnoxious species. Yeah. 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 So That's a bit cool. of a game. Yeah. Oh, I love it. What about, Matty, before we do let you go, the Outback Predator... Uh, we've seen a couple of your videos. What is your, what do you, where's your favourite place to fish? What do you love about it? Oh, I love all these outback rivers, like Macquarie River, Bogan River, Gunning Bar Creek, all the creeks I grew up on. I, I love targeting cod and yellowbelly and them, casting lures to the snags. But uh, we do do a lot of tournament sort of style fishing where we chase in the yellowbelly tournaments and Murray cod. Yep. Um, oh no, it's just therapy for me. I. It I is. love standing up the front of a boat just flicking a lure and forgetting the worries of the world, I think. I think that's what everybody loves about soon fishing. You, virtually as soon as you get in the boat, off from the boat ramp, everything just goes away. Yeah, it, it does, just, doesn't it? Just more relaxing, I think. 
How are the water levels out there at the moment? How are they running? What are we looking at? You know, is it in good shape? Oh, excellent, Jack. We've got abundance of water and fishing's really going off here at the moment. Like Macquarie River, you can get cricket scores of cod down here now in Macquarie River. Like there's blokes going out of a weekend getting 50 cod a session like for their weekend overnighters. Wow. Um, all the rivers are up and flowing. Like we were desperate here probably three or four years ago now where yeah. we had no water at all. But now it's, it's all bounced back. Beautiful. All the dams are full. They're all sitting in 90 odd percent or above. Um, yeah, we're looking good for you. For years to come, I think it's yeah. uh, and the fishing's going right off out here at the moment. Yeah, you know the problem with us, Herb. What's that, Spider? We talk to all these awesome people. We need to do a world tour of fishing. We need oh. to start travelling around <laughs> Australia and experiencing some of these places, like the Macquarie River, like some of the dams, like the the world fishing you know tournaments. Like we're sitting here talking garbage. Yeah, not garbage, but. We don't even get out Ta- there to fish. Ta- taking you on a world fishing tour, Spider, would be like taking the Queen to a Metallica concert. <laughs> I tell you right now. <laughs> oh, dear. No, that will be exciting. I'd love to travel oh, and do a bit more. Absolutely. Ooh. Have you ever had a moment out there on the water where, you know, as a fisherman, just things did go <laughs> as expected? You might have overcooked the chook one day or something. The, the boat just didn't uh, play the game. <laughs> I remember one day we were at Youngler Dam, which is up the top of the Pioneer Valley out from Mackay, in what they called up there the World Sooty Championships. Oh, yeah. it was. It's a great weekend. They called it the World Sooty Runner Championships up at Youngler. And I had Katie, who's now 18, he was in, he, I think he was about five or six in the boat with me, and he was on the back casting deck, and I was on the front. And we went under a, uh, some dead trees, and a, a good sized stick got caught in, the, caught in the back of his life jacket, and I just kept fishing. And uh, he was yelling at me, and I looked around, and he was about 10 yards out the back of the boat hanging out of a tree. Did you let him hang there jacket. for a bit, or did you go straight back and get him? Oh, so I, I did go back there, Giddy, but I think that's the first time uh, my wife's actually heard that story. So she's given me a bit of a dirty box now. Yeah, sorry, we've left. It was quite funny. He was there. They just grabbed hold of just the perfect thing at the back of his coat and yeah, yeah that, 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 over the back. That's <laughs> a classic. That I is a classic. Oh, dear. Yeah, things like that happen. you only got to laugh about it. Hey, Matty, we really do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. The Outback Predator Fishing, you can check them out. They've got uh, great socials and also some videos up of uh, everything that we've spoken about. We really do. Thank you for your time, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Cheers. Thank you. Well, there we go. Another episode, another one down. Great chatting to so many people. But next week, Herb, you're taking us on your journey to, what, the world's largest sand, sand island. Oh, Fraser. It is the most beautiful place in the world, Spider. I'm going to tell you all about my little adventures up there. Some of them good, some of them a little bit bad. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, what a magnificent place. Absolutely beautiful. One of the, I call it one of the seven uh, wonderful worlds. There we go. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for listening. Over.